Germany, the land where the world's biggest medical trade fair comes from, the country known for strong economy and reliable technical solutions, but also the land where the current status of digitization in healthcare will surprise you. Dear listeners, welcome to Medicine Today on Digital Health, a podcast brought to you by Medicina Danes, a Slovenian medical journal for doctors and pharmacists. We focus on the latest trends in healthcare and medicine, and I am your host, journalist Jasha Zajc. Two years ago, I visited the Charity Hospital during a Canadian-German concourse in Berlin. A part of the event was a visit in the hospital and there a doctor took us on a tour. He was so enthusiastic about a new program they just got, a piece of software. As he explained, when a patient comes to the office, a nurse takes his vitals and types them in the system. Wait, I said, so everything needs to be typed in manually? Yes, he replied. And I thought to myself, how can a manual input of data in time where automatic recording and data transfer is possible be seen as an innovation? And there was more. If a patient needs to go to a laboratory, he does so with a piece of paper on which needed tests are marked by the doctor. Where is the e-prescription or e-referral? Due to historical developments and big caution around data protection, Germany will wait a bit longer for these solutions. On a national level, the system is rigid and slow, but digital health landscape in the country is very lively. I talked about this to an investor, Klaus Stuckemann from Peppermint Venture Partners. We already talked for the previous episode. Because the sound quality of that one is really bad, I asked him to redo the interview, which we did, but it turns out our conversation went in a different direction. Therefore, this recording is not replacing the previous one, but is only an addition to it. A quick side note before you listen to our conversation. On May 26th, Mendicina Danes and Technology Park Ljubljana are organizing a really cool small conference. Infuse Digital Health Networking event is going to be a great opportunity for startups interested in two accelerators from Berlin, Startup Bootcamp Digital Health and Buyers Grants for Apps. Both of them are closing applications for the next round in the next weeks, but representatives are going to be here on the 26th and also some other investors are coming. So go to healthday.si to learn more. We're also preparing a program on the latest trends and we reserved a lot of time for constructive networking in a relaxed atmosphere. Join us! 26th, Ljubljana, Slovenia. Small cute country. Now let's go to Germany. Let's start with the ecosystem in Germany. On the one hand, the country is very supportive when it comes to innovation support for new businesses. And uh, Berlin specifically is becoming the digital health hub of Europe with quite a few specialized accelerators for healthcare. But on the other hand, the national system is lagging behind many European countries when it comes to e-health implementation. Can you maybe comment a bit on the environment uh, in Germany? Yeah, so I think in Germany, um, as you probably know, they have been working for 
the last 10 or 15 years to have uh, an electronic um, patient data record kind system, yeah, a, a kind of card which you carry with you and you have all your personal data on it. And that actually was um, kicked off, I, I, would, I, feel, I guess, 10 years ago. Problem was that at that time, the infrastructure, so uh, basically how you transfer data at high speed was not implemented, obviously. So let's stop there for a moment. If I go to a doctor in Germany, what documents do I have to have with me? Is there anything done electronically? Um, what you have is your card and on that card, basically there are your insurance data. Insurance data means your name, um, your age, a number, etc., so that you can identify yourself towards the doctor that you are insured at a certain, um, health insurance company. Unfortunately, so far there are only limited or almost no data on that card, which means you do not carry important data. Basically, the card is empty. It's just kind of identification card. But that is soon to change uh, and to be extended to at least a medication plan. Which e-health solutions are then in practice? Do you have, for example, an electronic prescription or e-referral? or So what electronic exists on the national level in terms of data transfer and convenience for the patients? I think beginning of this year, online consultation is getting reimbursed. There was a long debate on uh, why would you not reimburse it because it's basically the same and the only requirement is that you as a patient has, has to be uh, in contact with your doctor before. Basically, he has to know you, physically know you, and from that time on, <clears throat> you basically can do online consultation. What you cannot do, which is actually prohibited if you like, is that you just take a video and video with a doctor you do not know and he is giving you advice that's prohibited so far. Is, it, is this uh, teleconsultation done on a specific platform? I, be, I believe there's no centralized platform. How is that done? That is the next question and has to do with what I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, with the infrastructure to put in place uh, in terms of data protection and, and so on and so on. So it will be very interesting to see the next months or so how these startups offering the solution will be uh, adopted in the market and how the payers will react. So if I understand correctly, it, the teleconsultation is reimbursed in theory, on a legal basis, but you don't really know how many doctors actually offer that to patients. Um, the Association of Health Insurance Companies might know that, but I doubt it because, uh, of course, it, it requires certain infrastructure on the doctor's side in terms of internet access and uh, certain capabilities on the computer side, on both sides, on the patient side and on the on the on the doctor's side but but i think it just to be honest it just started to be reimbursed before that a lot, a lot of startups did try that and struggled and also the debate on whether you should allow it at all was a long debate which took place 
And only by really thinking about it and, and obviously deciding in the right way that, of course, online consultation should be allowed, A, and B, uh, also reimbursed. And I think the next level would be that you do not have to see your doctor beforehand to, to build a relationship. But currently, you have to have a doctor who knows you or has treated you before I mentioned at the beginning that in terms of startups and innovation, Germany is very uh, friendly, uh, being specific on healthcare. Some insurance companies are even open to giving startups some reimbursement for their solutions. How do you get in the system with a startup solution? If successfully proven that they are effective, and also can save money. So it's not always only quality of life of the patient. It's also about saving costs in one or the other way. Um, then they are very open to, to, to talk to startups. And, um, while they are so open or became open the last three, four years, um, you still have to fulfill, um, different requirements. And, um, we have a couple of startups in our portfolio basically who have made it, but it took between a year or one and a half years and two, two and a half years until actually a payer uh, was willing to reimburse a solution. So what, what was going on for that year or year and a half? So you, I, I have a solution. I go to an insurance company. I say, uh, I have proof that this is working. Please reimburse me. And then it takes one and a half year to get some approval or what in a way but but first of all you have to show some kind of evidence on what you say you think you can do with your solution and as you know 95% of the startups uh, we see have no clue about the healthcare market when it comes down what can be reimbursed and what cannot right so that's actually a problem for us as investors because we have to send them home um But how they can make it at the end of the day to be successful, I mean, they, they, we always say to the startups coming to us, they should try to socialize with these guys at the health insurance companies. Most of them already have a digital officer or a different name given to these people looking at these solutions. And uh, if you are early on discussing with them your solution, how they fit in the current system in terms of what already is there, what can be digitalized, what benefits the patient has out of it and the health insurance company out of it. You can find out what you have to do to prove that uh, this, the solution can be reimbursed. Um, and there, there's around uh, 150 uh, health insurance companies in Germany. How many of them actually are seriously considering or offering reimbursement for startups? Out of these number, um, there are five or six ones, uh, health insurance companies where basically the most patients are re, uh, re, uh, insured, right? So as a startup, you go to these, let's say five, six large ones, and then you cover almost 70% of the market. You just pick one and find out, um, whether they are interested in your solution you are building. So it's a lot about chronic disease, right? It is about, Uh, mental diseases um, where they are very much interested in. So everything which is about chronic disease and which needs um, 
long-term treatment or monitoring or interaction between doctors and, and, and patients, that is something they are highly interested in. However, I think you have to find a way into them and then discuss your solution and then ideally do a kind of pilot, which might just show that what you are saying is going in the right direction. Um, as you know, one of our companies had to do a 550 uh, patients or yeah, insured people trial to prove that their diabetes solution is really saving money to the payer. And it took one and a half years and another half year or longer to uh, get the data and then assess the data from an independent university. And then you proved, well, what we've done is actually effective, saves cost, and then you end up uh, to get in a selective reimbursement. It, it's maybe different to other countries. You do not get a reimbursement across all health insurance companies. Um, the only way you get it in Germany, you have to go to a, a, a higher board, which actually is then later deciding whether it's so much evidence there that the health insurance companies have to reimburse it. And I think that is the highest thing you can achieve in Germany, but it takes years until, and that's true actually for all medical technology and even drugs. Yeah, the, the process of uh, getting, uh, things in the system is a very long wind. The, some statistics say that uh, innovations and new discoveries take around 17 years to become a part of the standard uh, medical practice. Because when we are talking about health and healthcare, we're talking about human lives and serious uh, consequences can follow the wrong treatment. So solutions really have to be made very well. And you specifically are also working with Charité University Hospital in Berlin, but only for consultancy. Tell me, how much innovation do you know is going on there? Are you, as an investor, also looking at doctors inventing something? Indeed, we using the Charité to sound our investment opportunities, if you like. So whether these, these come out of the Charité or come from elsewhere, we always try to talk to doctors. And to your point, in all of our companies, at least one or two doctors have been involved in the product development. I think many startups are aware of the fact that they need to have a specialized uh, doctor, a specialist in their team. So what goes wrong when it comes to getting the solutions in action on the market? Also has to do with product design. So while a doctor might just want to have a solution for his problem, which is applicable maybe in the hospital, it might not be applicable or good enough if you would basically hand it out to uh, hundreds of thousands of patients. So I think it is a very complicated uh, process going in different loops to find out whether you finally have your right product. And therefore, I think the startups we see uh, has to, have to go in, in different design cycles or uh, have to try it out and go come back and change it a bit and so on and so on. And I think 
you need a um, interdisciplinary team, by the way, to be most effective, I guess, and, and, and save time. If you don't have that, you go many cycles and lose time to finally come uh, to your final solution. But the doctors, I think, um, they are not design experts, right? They, they, they see the medical problem and they want to get a solution. If that solution, for example, is cumbersome, then maybe it might work in the hospital, but it will n never work maybe outside the hospital. So I think the interaction between all these stakeholders in the product development is very important. And, and therefore, I think um, you need a, the right team. Yeah, at the end of the day, as always, the right team to, to kick a project off and then hopefully um, get to the right product design. The, the U.S. hospitals are very entrepreneurial in a sense that they offer doctors support environment, which enables commercialization of the solutions uh, doctors design. Because hospitals are perfect. You have all the things you need, more or less, in order to test your solutions. How entrepreneurial are hospitals or health institutions in Europe, according to your knowledge, not long ago, Charité in Berlin um, organized the Charité Entrepreneurship Summit. So since you have such a close collaboration with them, how many solutions do you see are coming out of the hospital? Well, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't give you a number because... I guess also the Charité management cannot give you a number, but what is clear, they have just implemented a CIO position, right? Which is, you would say, ah, what's the, but that's a major step that really the whole digitalization around such a large hospital uh, will be upgraded significantly. Um, and, and, um, therefore I think giving this, the number of doctors there and the, and the large number of patients I'm quite sure that different solutions, why we speak, are currently worked on. I think, I think if you compare it to other hospitals like Karolinska in Sweden, for example, or also some hospital in the UK, I, 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 I think there's still room of improvement. In what sense? In also having a digital infrastructure in place, having also people being more entrepreneurial, but, but, uh, I think the last three, four years, a lot has changed, right? Um, they have now people who are really are um, incentivized or motivated to think about solutions which can be developed to a product. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Charité in the future might, might play a central role even in, in the kind of clearing board for maybe some mobile applications, right? How would they achieve that? Well, they hire the right people, and I think they already have good people. It's just uh, the will to really get it on the on 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 the street and and do it. It's 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 not necessarily rocket science. You just have to go to Mayo Clinic, or MIT, or or Cleveland Clinic, and or Mount Sinai in New York, and you see how that can be done. And and I think if they copycat just that, then you basically have most likely. Uh, a bright future in front of you when it comes down to um, um, finding mobile solutions which are certified and based on clinical evidence. So I'm very optimistic. So can you mention two things? One, 
already existing solution that is inspiring to you when it comes to digital health and maybe one thing that is still putting you in a bad mood in Germany because the system is so slow in adopting new solutions. What really uh, drives me nuts is that um, these guys are still using fax machines. Who is using fax machines? The most physicians' office doctor practices, they're using fax machines to fax prescriptions around or handing out still paper prescription and then you have to go to a pharmacy and if you are unlucky the pharmacy does not have some the medication in at stock and then they give you a piece of paper to come back the next day and pick it up i think this is really um you know unacceptable um also for chronically ill people to get a prescription every quarter again by going and get a piece of paper and then go back to the pharmacy is completely idiotic. I mean, and therefore I think um, as long as we do not have an electronic prescription because our pharmacy guys are scared because then the people would order the drugs, uh, the pharmaceutical products uh, through an online pharmacy, right? Um, most likely um, we, we have to go still a long way to, to make it really Uh, efficient and, 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 and more practical for all people. So I don't believe that the pharmacies will go away because still a reason why you go there and, for example, get non-prescription drugs or want to talk to a pharmacist and, and find out what cream you should take, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to chronic diseases and real medications, I think electronic prescription is really something we need to have ASAP so if you compare Germany to another country in Europe, which country inspires you most when it comes to the development of digitization in healthcare? Of course, Estonia is always the landmark here and everything is digitalized. And also Finland is very much advanced to use all this um, elements you to make the whole value chain, if you like, or how, how a drug is getting to the patient and how the interaction is done between a patient and a doctor, <clears throat> much more on the digital level. So that is inspiring, but to be honest, it's not blaming the system, not at all. I, as you know, person properly that it's a system which is old. It's very efficient. Very good in terms of caring for people. As, as you know, everybody, if you end up in a hospital today, you get the same treatment as you would pay out of pocket. And, and that's, a, that is a, that's an achievement, by the way, right? And, uh, and therefore, to change such a system quickly and say now suddenly everything is done by a robot or you have an on, uh, online consultation, you have every, everything is going through an iPhone or an iPad or whatsoever. That's stupid to believe, but I think what I'm questioning is a bit the willingness of some people in the system who are really holding back and not are flexible enough. And uh, my conclusion is it's just about biology. These people will die at some point and then younger people will take over and then we will get more and more digital solutions in the system. But I think Germany is on a good way. As I told you, um, this online consultation is done Uh, until next year, there will be the implementation of a, medi med a medication plan. And with the medication plan on your 
health uh, 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 electronic health car, uh, card, you actually then will be able to most likely then get electronic prescription based on your electronic um, medication plan. But again, we are talking another 12 months to go. Before I asked you about uh, what puts you in a bad mood when it comes to solutions and the system, but also what inspires you. You see around 500 business plans per year, visit many conferences all over the world. So what can you mention that you saw not long ago and that you found uh, inspiring, interesting? Inspiring, I really found that um, one of our companies, Empera, who has developed a digital solution for diabetes with a uh, with a smart insulin pen and a cloud-based platform, was able to convert one of the large insurance companies to reimburse them. And um, the reimbursement includes, and that maybe is important, maybe to startups listening to that podcast, they are not only paying for the sensors and the hardware, but they're also paying for data services, for coaching elements, um, and they pay for a paper performance indicator. In this case, it's is a reduction of AC1 levels. So that's the first time, to my knowledge, in Germany where a payer was willing uh, to reimburse a digital product um, which contains hardware elements, software elements, disposable elements, coaching elements, and so on. I think that is something which I hope we will see um, much more often, and I believe that will be where this, the whole thing will go. You will not get paid for one element in this value proposition. You will be paid for outcome. And outcome outcome will, be, uh, will result um, at, in diabetes not only because you inject insulin or so, it also will result into how you engage patients, how you interact uh, with a doctor, how you um, basically are self-empowered, and all these elements in that equation basically will, will result in hopefully a better treatment and outcome for the patient. And, and that's actually then something the payer will reimburse. And times are over, I guess, and I fear where a health insurance company is just paying you hardware or disposables without outcome. Absolutely. Even the pharma companies are trying more and more to add some value to the drugs and how they can address all sorts of uh, drug-related uh, issues such as adherence, etc., which are causing the drugs to be less effective than, in theory, they could be. Yeah. Maybe one point on that one, for from an investor perspective, because at the end of the day we are investors in these kind of technologies, it is clear that if you start investing today in these kind of companies, you have to be very careful on the solution, right? And not on if the solution is not done with the offering and you are only a small piece of the solution, right? You have to ask yourself, how the hell will I make money? if the payer is only willing to pay for the full solution, which means sometimes if you have only one product and this is not the full solution, you most likely have a hard time, right? And you have to combine different elements to make that solution. And I think some startups who have brilliant ideas have only a small 
piece of the whole solution. And then the question is, is it worth to, to go with it and try to put something uh, on the market? You have a PhD in biology and you worked in the pharma industry at the beginning of your career. Do you look differently at startup solutions because of your education background? Are you more strict? Do you have a better idea about what uh, a solution could actually mean on the market? I mean, deep, deep knowledge of uh, a specific area is certainly helpful. And if you have been a scientist, you at least can understand when people are talking about the science side of the, of the cake, right? But the science side of the cake is only good enough when you can translate it into a meaningful product or solution. So I, 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 I came a long way from being a scientist to basically translate science into products and ventures and, and hopefully making money with these ventures, right? So I think it's, a, it certainly is a good basis, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of a good gut feeling and due diligence uh, on a solution to make a decision to invest in it. Uh, and um, being in Germany is nice, but being being uh, Germany is not uh, you know uh, alone and i think you have to benchmark all these solutions solutions again to other solutions coming from israel for the US, from the us from the uk and so on so on so also it's great here in berlin and in germany to have all these accelerators i think still we have to look and and and, and take into account competition from elsewhere and i think that makes most likely the investment decision for us investors very very um, difficult to be honest and then you have all these different reimbursement systems as you know so it's a quite complicated thing what are you expecting is going to get to the patients in a short period like five years which things do you think will change how we deliver healthcare most I, I think on the cardiology side, in terms of monitoring patients who have been um, affected by a heart attack or have different uh, heart diseases, right? To 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 um, monitor these patients, whether it will be with sensors you put on your chest or uh, hopefully the iWatch, Apple Watch will be the um, uh, one-size-fit-all uh, product will transform the whole cardiology kind of, you know, um, monitoring um, world, right? Uh, What about the convenience of uh, the doctor's workflow? Last time we talked to you, we were mentioning uh, voice recognition, That I'm, I'm not, yeah, so that will include voice recognition because you will basically do uh, things on three or four dimensions. Um, you can also take your camera and maybe measure blood pressure while the camera is just taking a picture of your face. You might also be able to um, look into your vessels while you do an eye scan, right? You also might be taking your iWatch, um, Apple Watch, and um, basically get not only your heartbeat, but you get 
actually an ECG with which is medical grade, which is transferred if it diverts from your reference ECG directly to a doctor. The doctor is giving you feedback in 10 minutes that the ECG is fine or that you have an arrhythmia and so on and so on. I think from a technology point of view, this almost is possible now and it's very much um, uh, patient convenient. Think about it, right? And uh, um, that is something which will be from a technical side solvable, whether you will have the right business model. So who is going to pay for it? Are the doctors willing to look as ECGs coming in all the time because Klaus has sent to another ECGs from his iWatch to his cardiologist? That's a totally different question. And I think without artificial intelligence measures coming up that you basically have um, not necessarily IBM Watson, but you have a big, big database on ECGs which are good enough to automatically give a feedback to you as a patient, you should now go to a hospital and you don't need a doctor at all. I think that that is coming, um, I guess, um, more, more faster than we maybe hope. And I see the main area where that will come actually indeed maybe in cardiology. So I'm not saying about, I mean, there, there's, there's a, there's the area of, of people who are um, hypochondrous, they, they want to measure everything, uh, not step counts, they want to measure oxygen, they want to measure um, um, blood pressure and so on. I think the market of people who have, have been affected by heart disease, as you know, is huge. And I'm talking about these people, I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily healthy people, I'm talking about people who had some um, problems. The problems are basically confirmed by the doctor and they go home and they feel unsecure when they do sport. They feel unsecure when the heart beat is increasing um, and so on and so on. And, and if, if then by, by wearing a, a smart watch, right, uh, you automatically get a green light and saying, no, no, you don't have an arrhythmia or you have only a slight arrhythmia and, 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 and you go to your doctor. I think that is something I'm, I'm quite sure people would, would like to have. And, and I think um, it's not about engaging the cardiologist. I mean, sensors in general are an interesting topic from implantables, ingestibles and other sorts of sensors. We talked about this with uh, a Swedish researcher in one of the episodes and the interesting thing that he mentioned was that uh, at the moment we have sensors that are easy to make. So we are measuring things that are easy to measure. But now, slowly, with the development, we're getting to the sensors that um, will bring some very additional uh, value. Um, before you have to run, let me just ask you, you're starting a new investment round next year. Uh, what will you be looking for this time? So we're currently setting up the, our new fund, which will be dedicated to uh, investments um, actually at the crossroads of medical devices and digital health. I think, unfortunately, there's not enough money to invest exactly in these crossroads. There are groups who are investing in apps, so we can do the next 1,600 diabetes apps, but that's nonsense. 
or you invest in medical devices. And, and we believe that all the medical devices will be connected. And the question is how they will be connected and what business model you will put in the front end of that solution. So we are very much looking um, along the health journey of a person, actually, from, from prevention to rehab. Through Internet of Things? Yeah, we, it could be Internet, it could be... I, would, I don't like that Internet of Things kind of expression all the time. So what we look... Um, we want to basically not only do chronic disease um, things, what we currently done in our existing fund. We also want to go maybe a step earlier and think about are there solutions which going in the direction of prevention? That's the one thing. If you think about the whole journey of life from birth to death, then you potentially have some very interesting parts and especially the later part, I would not say healthy aging. Also, that is a very interesting uh, topic of the day. But more important is how you can use digital solutions for rehab, for example. How can you use digital solutions for mental diseases or for dementia and so on? That's, of course, fascinating. It's fascinating. It has a really big role in society. The only question is, how much can you prove in advance that something is working preventative? That's, I mean, that's a challenge for, for you as an investor, of course, and the developers, if they want to make money with this kind of things. Yeah, but that is something we will show to you when we have our new fund and what we invest in. We know companies which have data which actually show that by what they are doing, they can prevent or slow down uh, the outbreak of a certain disease. Um, and I'm not talking about drugs, which I know it's, it's, it's a pity for the pharma companies, but I don't care. Um, I, I want to find interesting startups. Um, so I think to your question, we want to broaden a bit our scope rather than doing only chronic disease kind of topics, which we are happy to do, by the way. But we also want to do something which uh, starts earlier, but also later, because I think the aging population is an issue. You need better solutions for the patients in that group. And given the fact that we are all getting older, hopefully, uh, we want to get older and more healthy. And I think digital solutions as such are really uh, um, interesting. Uh, but you're right, they need to be proven. And, and that's fine for us. We're happy to to go uh, this uh, uh, mile with our startups and prove what they do is really meaningful. Klaus, thank you very much for your time. Good luck with searching for the, the good solutions in the next round. Thank you. This was the 11th episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health. Quick hint, next time we're going to Finland. In the previous episodes, we were, of course, in Slovenia, in Sweden, in the US, in India, in the UK, and elsewhere. Check out all the episodes in iTunes or SoundCloud, or find our blog on Medium under Medicine Today on Digital Health.